The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Holmes settled in comfortably in Chicago. He was well-liked, he was charismatic, intelligent, and fun to be around. No one had a bad word to say about him. He worked hard and saved his money. His family was an inconvenience, and he sent very little back to his wife Clara and their son Robert. In 1887, two years after arriving in Chicago, Holmes bought the empty lot across the road from the drugstore that he worked at. Construction started in earnest. Holmes was constructing a large three-story building, telling everyone that asked that it would be used for shops and apartments. The city was thriving due to its location and the expansion of the railroad networks. New construction was going up all over the city, so Holmes's building was not out of place or that unusual. Holmes's building, however was huge and not pleasant to look at. It certainly wasn't in keeping with the rest of the buildings in that area or the new construction that was happening. The building stretched for an entire block and contained more than 100 rooms. There was also a huge basement. The first floor contained an entire row of storefronts. Holmes planned to use one of them for his own drugstore and would rent out the others. Knowing that as the city expanded, there would be lots of new businesses needing real estate, 
he calculated that he could make a good income from the rental income of these units. The second floor is where he would live and also contained apartments that homes could rent out or sell to those visiting or moving to the Windy City to find their fortunes. The third floor was added at a later date, but I will come back to this later. Nothing was ever straightforward with homes, and this build was no different. During the project, homes switched architects and builders numerous times. This ensured that no one had the true blueprint of the building, and it meant that there was not a single person that was aware of the true purpose and nature of Holmes's plan. While construction continued on the mansion, Holmes was growing increasingly lonely, and he decided he needed some female company. So, he sat down and wrote to his wife, Clara, asking her to join him in Chicago. Well, that's what you would expect him to do, isn't it? But of course, this is Holmes, and he had other plans. Instead, Holmes wrote to Marta Belknap, a pretty young lady he had met years ago in Minneapolis. He asked her to move to Chicago to be with him. Not only that, but he asked her to marry him. Murda, probably excited about the prospect of marrying a handsome, charming, charismatic doctor, accepted. And so, on January 28, 1887, Murda and Holmes married. No, you haven't missed anything. Holmes was still married to Clara. But you know, what's a bit of bigamy between friends. When Murda and Holmes married, poor Murda had no idea that Holmes was already married to Clara. And of course, Clara had no idea about Murda. As a side note, a few weeks after his new marriage, Holmes did file for divorce from Clara, claiming infidelity on her part. But the papers never went through. Murda threw herself into married life, and as well as running the house, also helped in the drugstore. It was while working in the store, she was witness to the many young female admirers that her husband had. And when she became pregnant, and more than a little possessive, Holmes banished her to the upstairs office to deal with the books for the store, while he continued to flirt with the customers, without her cramping his style. Murda gave birth two and a half years after the couple married, on July 4, 1889, to a daughter, Lucy Theodate Holmes, her middle name coming from her paternal godmother. The family lived in Wilmette, an upscale neighborhood in the suburbs of Chicago, While Murda stayed at home to look after their daughter, Lucy, Holmes spent most of his time in the city looking after his businesses. The construction work on the new building took over four years to complete, finally being completed in 1891. And of course, it was not without its issues, as you would expect. In 1888, Edna Iron and Steel sued Holmes for non-payment. Holmes also refused to pay various architects and builders. On April 17, 1891, one of these creditors, John de Brule, went to the drugstore to collect his money and died of apoplexy. Apoplexy is a condition where stroke symptoms 
occur suddenly. This can be due to bleeding on the brain or a blood clot in a brain blood vessel. It is possible that a pituitary apoplexy can occur following head trauma. We will never know exactly what happened to John Bruel, but the circumstances of his death are very suspicious. Holmes was excited his hotel, was known locally as the castle, was finished. It was time to get tenants and staff. Advertisements were placed in local newspapers. He was offering lodgings. He had jobs for young women. He also placed an ad as a wealthy man, looking for a wife. Yes, I know, he already has not one, but two wives. But that was not enough for our dear Dr. Holmes. Holmes was very strict, and every employee, tenant, fiancé, and even every hotel guest was required to have life insurance. Now, Holmes knew that not everyone could afford the premiums, and that was not a problem. This kind-hearted man was willing to pay for them for you, as long as you were willing to make him a beneficiary. It was kind of like Holmes had a premonition, as, allegedly, many of those that took out policies where he was the beneficiary disappeared and were never heard from again. There were lots of rumors in the town, and a number of neighbors reported seeing many women entering the castle but would never see them exit. One of those that unexpectedly disappeared was Julia Smythe, along with her daughter Pearl. The last time they were seen was Christmas Eve, 1891. Julia was well known to Holmes. In fact, Julia was his mistress. And it was due to their affair that Julia's husband had quit his job on the jewelry counter at Holmes's drugstore and moved away, leaving Julia and Pearl living at Holmes's hotel and Julia and Holmes to continue their relationship. Holmes claimed that Julia had died during an abortion, but never had an explanation for what happened to Pearl. However, it is widely accepted that they were both probably early victims of Holmes. So, what was going on? It's time to talk about the infamous second and third floors of the building. In 1892, Holmes decided to add a third floor to his lot. His plan was to use this floor as the hotel for the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition in 1893. This event was also known as the World's Fair, so Holmes thought that this was the perfect name for his hotel, the World's Fair Hotel. The World's Fair was a social and cultural event to celebrate 400 years since Columbus discovered America and was to run from May to October. All Holmes could see was dollar signs in his eyes. This was it. He was going to make a fortune. And of course, there would be a lot of out-of-town visitors in the area who would be easy prey for the depraved Holmes. As you know, Holmes was very secretive 
about the precise layout of his 100-room building, swapping contractors and architects regularly to avoid anyone knowing. What we do know is that it had lots of unusual, frankly bizarre features, and that there are many articles that include the following information. Of course, we will never know how much of it is true. There are 51 doorways, which opened onto blank brick walls, tens of rooms with no windows, staircases that lead nowhere, soundproof rooms, rooms with no doors or windows, which were allegedly accessed through a trap door in the ceiling, doors that could only be opened from the outside, doors with hinged walls and false partitions, rooms with linked secret passages, airtight rooms connected to pipeline filled with gas, which homes used as gas chambers. There were trap doors, chutes, and dumbwaiters to enable bodies to be moved to the basement without detection. In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey, as someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, Therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Foul, F-O-U-L. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. 
Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. He was also alleged to have a room called the Hanging Room. And then there was the basement, which was known as Holmes's Laboratory, where he allegedly dissected the corpses. This was equipped with surgical tables and medical tools to dissect people before selling their organs and bones on the black market to medical institutions. Vats of acid and quicklime, a crematorium to dispose of victims' bodies. In an article in the Chicago Tribune in 1937, they described Holmes's murder castle as follows, quote, Oh, what a queer house it was. In all America, there was none other like it. Its chimneys stuck out where chimneys should never stick out. Its stairways ended nowhere in particular. Winding passages brought the uninitiated with a frightful jerk back to where they had started from. There were rooms that had no doors. There were doors that had no rooms. A mysterious house it was indeed. A crooked house. A reflex of the builder's own distorted mind. And that house occurred dark and eerie deeds. On the face of it, Holmes was a successful entrepreneur. He had a dazzling personality and charmed everyone he came into contact with. But his dark and depraved secrets were about to come to light. He was being hounded by insurance companies trying to prosecute him for fraud claims, including a recent arson claim on his home. So, In July 1894, Holmes left Chicago. He had inherited a property from Minnie and Annie Williams, siblings who he had charmed before they both disappeared at the end of 1893. So he headed to Fort Worth, Texas, with big plans. He would build another castle, just like the one he had in Chicago. And so the familiar cycle began again. Multiple contractors and architects and swindled suppliers But this time, it was short-lived. In July 1894, Holmes was arrested for selling mortgage goods in St. Louis, Missouri. He spent a short stint in jail where he concocted a new plan. He was going to fake his own death. He would take out a policy for $10,000, around $320,000 in today's money. Of course, there was a problem. He was known as a swindler in many states. The insurance companies were wary of him. So when he tried to claim, an investigation was started. Holmes fled. His plan foiled. He still believed insurance scams were the way forward. He just needed an accomplice. It was time to get in touch with his trusted friend, Benjamin Pitizel. He was a carpenter he had met years ago and who had helped him with previous swindles. It was simple. Benjamin would take out a life insurance policy for $10,000 with Holmes as the beneficiary. He would then fake his own death and they would split the money. Happy days. Pitizel had a wife, Carrie, and five children to support. Times were tough. Every day was a struggle. So a cash lump sum would make their lives so much easier. So Pitizel agreed to Holmes's plan. But Holmes had other plans. Why should he share the money? 
He wanted it all for himself. Holmes knocked Pitazol unconscious with chloroform before setting his body on fire, then claimed the insurance in full. I know what you're thinking. Maybe Holmes was going to share the money with the widow and the children. Wrong. He was going to keep it all for himself. And on top of that, Holmes managed to manipulate the unknowing widow into letting him have custody of three of the five children. Daughters, Alice and Nellie, and their younger brother, Howard. Telling her, quote, Your husband is in London waiting for you. End quote. Holmes traveled across America and Canada, using various aliases, hiding the children from Carrie and lying to her about where her husband was. Carrie was sent on a parallel route with the other two children, having no idea that her darling Benjamin was dead. As we know, Holmes had a very short attention span, and traveling with children was becoming a chore, with the youngest child, Howard, pulling on his last nerve. It was time to get rid of him. So while they were in Indianapolis, he separated Howard from his older sisters and stuffed him into a furnace. But that wasn't enough. He wished he hadn't forced the children away from Carrie. He needed to travel alone. It was quicker, cheaper, and easier. But if he didn't have the children, she would have no reason to stay in touch. She might realize her husband was dead. She might alert the authorities or the insurance company. It was while staying in Toronto that Holmes had finally had enough. He forced Alice and Nellie into a large trunk, which he locked. He left them in there for hours, in the pitch black, tired, cramped, and terrified. Then he drilled a hole in the top, attached a gas line, and flooded the box with carbon monoxide. The bodies of Alice and Nellie were then buried in the basement of the rental property in Toronto before he moved on. He was free. What Holmes didn't know was that police detective Frank Geyer from Philadelphia, who had been assigned to investigate Holmes, was hot on his trail.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.